sometimes. And sometimes normal. On this episode, I'm joined by Joshua Alvarez. Josh is a modern-day Renaissance man. He's the lead singer for Philly punk band Crossed Keys. He plays in a hardcore band. He has a cinema podcast called Cinepunks that has been running for 10 years. Josh is super cool, and we had a fun conversation. We were all over the map on this one. We discussed how he once got Lou Diamond Phillips on his pod, his sweet stage attire, how it's awesome and a little strange for people to interpret your lyrics to something personal for themselves, how Cross Keys got hooked up with Dave Hawes to open for him twice over three months. Spoiler alert, it's because Cross Keys is basically a supergroup of 20-year veteran punk rockers, and they know everybody and their new album rocks. And it wouldn't be a wild and weird pod if I didn't tell my Hawes story and about my son getting on stage with him, or if I didn't mention Jaws. To be fair, both stories flowed in the topic of conversation. Anyway, huge shout out to Josh and Cross Keys. Listen to their album, follow all their socials, and check them out in concert. As always, let them know you heard them on Wild and Weird. Enjoy the show. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients, organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's WILD, A-N-D, WEIRD. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey? Escape the city and move to the suburbs? Finally purchase a vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email McCoach at kw.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian. And tonight, my guest is Joshua Alvarez of the band Cross Keys. Welcome, Joshua. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hey, man. Thanks a lot for coming on. I really appreciate it. No sweat. Is this a new podcast? You're, you've been doing this for a new for not as long, or or what? So it's been going on for about show? four months or so. How do you like it? I whoa, whose interview is this, sir? Whose interview is I'm this? I'm just having a conversation <laughs> with you, bro. <laughs> uh, I enjoy it a lot. It, I I like the hecticness of like the scheduling and trying to figure things out like that constant dread my show's constantly guest-based mm-hmm. nobody wants to hear me drone on for an hour or so uh so <laughs> it's like that constant of like you know who's going to come on and what are we going to talk about and then maybe like two minutes before an interview i get a little bit of butterflies 
But then once it starts, like there's no set question. I didn't send you anything, but there's no set no, questions. And we just have a normal talk and then wherever it goes. And as we we're talking before I hit record, I kind of have like my finger on everything, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. So, you know, I, <laughs> I can't get technical in the music you talk about, but I've seen hundreds of shows and gone all different places and like all different music. And then next thing you know, you'll, you'll mention, you know, chicken or following the Eagles we were doing before the show. I'm like, oh, I've been to the Eagles. We did it here. And it, it gets crazy. <laughs> but you, sir, you have a podcast as well. You're a fellow podcaster. I am. Yeah, I'm a 10-year veteran. Oh, I'm sport. a rookie over here. I'm, I'm sure. I might get cut. Who knows? You, you sir. Going for the Hall of Fame. So 10 years. What's your know. show about? My show is called Cinepunks. And it's the convection of movies and punk rock. Because, like... You know how they say like all rockers want to be comics and all comics want to be rock stars? Right. It's kind of the same thing with movies and punk rockers, I found. Like all punk rockers have a weird cinematic background and all cinema people, well, not all, but there's a lot that are like, yeah, well, in 88, I was in a little band called the Bad Brains. You're like, what the fuck, bro? Like, word? <laughs> and then it's like, it just seems weird because with such weirdly mutually exclusive lanes, it feels a lot of the times like most people really want to jump lanes and be like, yo, but here's the thing. Even though I'm in this band, I love this movie. And you're like, all right, God, let's go for it. Yeah. So do you think it's yeah. like the creative juices you have flowing, you know, either for music and then they have for movies and like just somewhere in this creative mix of stew? Well, I mean, the thing is me and my podcast partner, Liam O'Donnell, we used to be in the film society together in Philadelphia and we knew each other previously from being in the hardcore scene in Philly. So it was just like, what are you doing here, dude? You know what I mean? Like, that's the guy who cartwheeled out my friend, Jeff Kelly. And uh, <laughs> next thing I know, 10 years later, we, he's like one of my best friends and we've been working on this thing forever. We're not, I mean, like for 10 years, we only had like 177 episodes, which I know it's not a lot, I get it. But um, he lives in Chicago now. He has a kid, you know what I mean? I live here in Philly and it's been like pandemic and everything like that was pretty wild because we kept on going. So I don't know, but it's one of those things that seems indomitable. Like I, I can't see it stopping anytime soon. And um, we have guests, but mostly it's just me and Liam talking shit, you know what I mean? Pretending to know what we're talking about. So, <laughs> so do you pick like one movie per episode and you're going to break it down? Yeah. Or So um, right after we're done with this, I'm recording an episode of Cinepunks where we are discussing Federico Fellini's eight and a half. So, you know, it's like that, like there'll be a movie, like sometimes it'll be something new. Most times it's something pretty old that no one gives a shit about. And then we just talk about it until we're tired of talking to each other, which typically takes about two and a half hours. Oh, well, <laughs> so I someone know. falls asleep or hangs up first and, like, and I'm done. Just it's, it's just one of those things. It's like Liam knows so much because he took some classes in film and I never took any film classes or anything. I'm just a fan. So he, I mean, he has like a bit of a, sartorial voice if you will so he's he, he you know talks about it in a very academic way that i'm always like what what are you talking about that's incredible you know what i mean because i have no <laughs> yeah. idea so has he ever yeah. made a film or is that an interest to him i mean does it count if you do like shitty promos for like local hardcore bands because i think that's the only thing that counts fair enough then yeah <laughs> <He's totally laughs> filming. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's your creative juices flowing and you're filming it and you know yeah. you can put it up and not be embarrassed or arrested about it a couple of weeks later. I think that's film. I guess that and if you are, maybe it's more film. I don't you know, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> yeah, are you a film dude, Brian? Are you a film person? Uh, no, I I enjoy movies. I well, I could say maybe I used to enjoy movies. The the last 
few years, it's tough. If you don't, it seems like if you don't like Marvel or you don't like superheroes, it's really hard to find a good movie. But I like movies. Yeah. And I used to live in Pittsburgh for a little bit. And somebody who was on an earlier podcast, James Reinhardt, he uh, writes and directs independent horror films. So I had him on and picking his brain on that. And he was, uh, I think, a a PA on uh, the Batman that had Bane. uh, Oh, okay. Christopher Nolan one. Yeah. So, yeah. So Christopher Nolan, and he got to help out, I guess, backstage with some of the stuff. And they put him in the stands when Bane blew up. Uh, the Steelers Stadium, uh, Hinesfield. Cool. Yeah, so uh, it was interesting hearing him talk about it. And he wrote a, a short film called Black Pines. Uh, and it's about the a Jersey Devil type of movie. So like in, in the Pine Barrens. And then instead right. of it being like the monster, it was kind of, I guess it kind of turned you into the monster. We were all the monster at the end. I'm not too sure. But the, the little bit, <laughs> at, the, uh, at the end of it, she's like battling the Jersey Devil. This is always a good movie and a good short. And it was interesting yeah. talking to him. Yeah. And I'm, I'm such awesome. a, I'm such not a film person like that, like where he was getting technical and, and detailed and I enjoyed hearing about it. So then I was just asking him more, like when you watch a regular movie, are you just picking it apart from being mm-hmm. like a, a writer or a director? And then yeah. uh, you know, I was using like a, kind of like a sports analogy. Like, are you the right retired player? Like, oh my God, this guy's not making this cut or this, like, you don't see it. Like, how do you not see this? Or why would you deliver yeah. the line like that? You know, but me, I don't have <laughs> talent in that. So, so I podcast. fair enough fair enough man yeah it's like the old joke those who can do and those who can't podcast about doing it isn't that the joke there's something about it Uh, yeah teachers teach or something other people do those who can't do teach those who can't can't do and those who can't teach Uh, yeah it's also a good joke yeah i I, I twisted it up there a little bit i don't know if you caught that hey with our powers combined (laughs) the puns are coming baby puns are coming don't worry so (laughs) 10 years ago i mean that's really early in the podcast game, pretty much. I mean, I think for the most part, some of the bigger guys nationally, like you're talking like 08, 09, so 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's great. <laughs> it's it's funny. It's because um, it's kind of a heralded story at this point. But back then, we were members of the Philadelphia Film Society, and we were the only people that were like tattooed, young, and not white. You know what I mean? And we got to this point, it just got really awkward being around like this hegemonic type of like population that would talk down to us because of how we looked and, you know, and who we are, I suppose. And we're just like, you know what, man, like we quit the same day. We're just like, there's no way I can't go on with this anymore. Because like, I don't know, it was like one of those things where me and Liam were just like, okay, so if you join the film society at a certain tier of membership, you get invited to all the screeners, but then they have all these parties and shit too. So we would try to like network throughout the party stuff just because it's like, I mean, neither of us really drink Liam's straight edge still, you know what I mean? And it's just like, we would just kind of hang out and try and talk to people, but we'd end up just talking to each other because it was just like, I don't know how we're going to grow this. If these people don't feel like engaging us in these conversations. And then um, they used to do a thing at a certain level where um, when the Oscar movies would come out, you, they would do these private room screenings. So it'd be like 12 chairs in a room and you would sit there with other like higher up members of the film society, watch these Oscar contenders throughout the week or week before. And then it would be like a discussion, you know. And uh, one of the years was a movie called Amore. Do you know this movie? I don't think so. Yeah, no one does. It was like up <laughs> for like best foreign movie. It was two old people, like a married couple, 
and they love each other so much. And then the husband smothers the wife with the pillow and it takes four hours or three hours to tell the story. And at the end of it, we were walking out of the, the screening room and this one old dude was like, so what'd you think of the movie? At which point I was like, well, no dumb and dumber, but it was pretty cool. And then he looked at me and he was just like, what's dumb and dumber? And I was like, you fucking liar. You're lying to me. Yeah. You don't know dumb and dumber with Jim Carrey. Get the hell out of here. And that was like the straw that broke the assholes back. And I was just like, I'm out. We're yeah. done with this. And like we left. And then uh, Liam and I had this plan. We're like, well, if we keep recording ourselves talking about movies, maybe they'll stop asking us for money to go see movies. And that was like the main plan to try and get on like the, the press list. And we did. And it's been 10 years of that. So I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so you're just, you're joining the film society, trying to watch some early movies. Now you can just probably yeah. get them on, on some streaming line uh, that's hacked. And just well, check it's out all, to, screw you guys. It's, and if they're not inviting just, you to the eyes wide shut party, why are you going to the stuff anyway? You're like, guys, like, where is this stuff? <laughs> it's more so the interview opportunities, if you can believe it or not, just because like, so there's like a company in the greater Philadelphia area that handles all the press stuff. And if you're on that list, then they'll invite you to do the interviews with the directors and the actors and all this other shit. So that was the one main thing that I was like, well, I need to get on that list if we're going to keep on doing this thing. So kind of where we're at. That's awesome. So do you get to talk to any of these people now that you're on the press list? Uh, Every so often. Like, so more so like, okay, well, probably our most famous guest that we've ever had on, not counting the world of punk rock, because like, you know, when you're involved in the scene, like me and Liam have been kind of like participating in the New York, New Jersey, like Philadelphia music scene for like the better part of 30 years. Right. And Liam used to work at This Is Hardcore. So he would know like a lot of those people and stuff. But um, maybe two years ago, I was in Arizona for two months because I just lost a job. My wife was working remote and she was just like, well, if you're not working and I'm working from home, we might as well be warm. So we went to Arizona. We were in Phoenix. And um, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next, because at that point, I had just been fired from a job of 20 years working in Sutton which is like, you know, it was fucked up during the pandemic, but it also was just messed up anyway, you know? So I was in Arizona trying to figure out what next. And I got really stoned because I enjoy marijuana, which I didn't start until my 40s. And I uh, tweeted at Lee Diamond Phillips. And then he came on our show and he did a half hour interview with us. <laughs> and it was really, really funny because I grew up, I was raised on La Bamba. I was raised on Young Guns. You know what I mean? I was like, yo, LDP, half Filipino down with the brown so we got to talk to him it was really funny that is so, yeah, so cool the, it's ridiculous i'll tell you because i i told him in the tweet that i was high and yeah <laughs> his, his press people got in touch with us and then he was on our show like all right sure that's the thing usually sometime throughout a podcast like social media will come up and usually it's treat social media like your diet you know like yeah. you can see junk food the whole time it it's terrible for you and if you're just stuck on twitter or Instagram or whatever it is, and just reading all the nonsense. Now, maybe you, your feeds or whatever, your list are curated a little better than mine. Mine is just constant chaos. And it's like, oh my God, it's like aliens and politics and then music, and it's just all over the place. But <laughs> through Twitter, I reached out to you guys, and next thing you know, like I'm getting in contact with you. And it's just so cool the positive things that can happen through Twitter when it's not like yeah. melting your brain. What's funny is that um, I don't run any of the social media for any of my projects. Because I'm old, Brian. I'm 45 goddamn years old, and I feel every moment of it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, 
I've been trying to just take all this bullshit off of my phone. And every time Liam will yell at me, like one time I made my, my Twitter feed private and he's like, why are you going dark, man? You got to stay visible. It's like, fuck, man. And then like all the Instagram stuff for every, I've been in a lot of bands and most of these bands have had social media presences. And in each case, I've never once contributed or controlled them. It's always been somebody else in the band, you know? And um, the weird thing is, especially with something like cross keys, Whenever anyone interacts with the Crosskeys account, they think they're talking to me because I wrote all the words. But no, man, not me at all. Didn't even know. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? So, um, and it's funny too, because uh, Andrew, the bass player, is the one who answers everything. And um, he's actually the smartest person in our band, even though he's also the youngest, which I guess those things go hand in hand. And uh, his little joke is that he answers all the questions in what he considers to be my voice. Which okay. I find to be very amusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll tell me about these things afterwards. I'm like, whatever you want to do, bro. Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Just tell me when and where, and you know, am I getting a paycheck? I can't tell you the <laughs> no, answer is uh, there's no paycheck in this. I don't know if he told you that, that or not. Yeah, never not once have we seen one paycheck. That'd be an interesting day. Yeah, that's cool. So it, I've definitely turned into my parents, where you know, in the '80s, you know, Nintendo's out and everything, and they don't know how to work it, and you know, here I am, like five, six, seven years old and figuring it all out and hooking it up. And, you know, they have the remote to the, the cable and the VCR and hook all that up and put it in the one universal remote you got at Walmart or whatever. And, and now I'm 42 now. Technology is, that this is even running is, is a miracle. You know, that I, anything over a Word document is like beyond me. Mm, yeah. uh, my son wants to do things. I'm like, bud, man, I wish. I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> Can you just sync this and then download it? I'm like, no, sorry, don't have to do. Yeah, that's away from us. I don't know anything about that stuff. It's bad. Yeah. So for the pod, <laughs> I've been thinking about merchandise. Like I just put the logo on a t-shirt or something, but I don't want to have a garage full of t-shirts and I'm not going to go to the post office. Like I don't have time for that. So I was Googling what you can do and there's a way to do like a drop ship through, I forget the name of the company, but you pick out your own t-shirt online and do all this drop shipping. But then there's this two, and so I don't store any product. I don't make the t-shirt. I, yeah. I don't ship the teeth. They handle customer service. They ship it. They do, they do all this stuff. I probably get like, a tiny Kirby t-shirt. Design? Uh, yeah, That's... upload the design and, and do stuff like that. It seems simple. But then there's a two-hour YouTube video to walk idiots like me through it. I don't have two hours to watch YouTube and I like, try to figure this out. So for the last four months, I'm like, oh, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to figure out how to do dropship <laughs> t-shirts and stickers. And now, I don't know. I might start hand drawing something. I'm, I'm not too sure. Hey, man. Whatever works, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It's tough. So you guys went to Arizona for two months. Uh, yeah, that's pretty yeah. sweet. That you know, it was it was a wild time. I gotta say, <laughs> it's all yeah, a lot of was, shit. Yeah, uh, COVID was you know obvious all the bad things for COVID that there were, but I think some of the good things were that families got to get a little tighter if they like that. Where you were trapped with your family for a couple of years and you know take that how it is. But the fact yeah. that you were able to get up and go, like that's pretty sweet. It was it was a devastating time is the issue because um, like I said I worked in site so I worked in inpatient acute site which is like typically the more violent type of character you know and it was a year and a half of pandemic working under that type of stress and I was not prepared and then just I don't know if you know like hospitals are fucked up places to be you know what I mean shit can go wrong in a moment. And the next thing you know, your entire plan for the past 20 years is like gone. And yeah. that's kind of what happened to me, you know? It was fucked up because like I was floundering. I thought I was going to retire there. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I truly did. 
believe in this calling to help the sick and the poor. And it's like in my neighborhood is this hospital, you know what I mean? And it was like the people in these streets that I live in, you know, and I was trying to help people get their families back together. I wanted to believe that people could be helped through things like addiction, help through things like mental illness. Now I'm just a capitalist. So it's way better than being an altruist. Like I have so much more fun now. So yeah. that's cool. And it's like I clock out and then that's the end of the party. We're done. I'll see yeah. you tomorrow. It's a new story for me. You know what I mean? So I'm into it. No, that's awesome, cool. man. All the people doing, you know, like that, you know, they'll say God's work, like doing the stuff like that, that, you know, the, the mm. volunteering, the working with psych patients. My wife does uh, nursing and stuff like that. It's, it's yeah. a thankless job, man. It's, it's, thankless. yeah, man. You know, people, <laughs> They're in their worst moments and they need a ton of help. But also yeah. like, you guys aren't saviors and you're like, man, like I need help. And also I can't like, I'm not the person to fix you. I'm just trying to help you on your journey to get fixed. But it's not yeah. happening in my eight hour shift. And don't yank on me and don't, like, whatever it is. And like, I'm not the person to get spit at or scream. Like, really, thankless yeah. job. It, it takes really special people to do that. It's a shit job. We used to have a show on the Cinepunks network called Helping the Helpers. And it was our friend Dana, who's an actual therapist. And the show's thesis was that nobody that's working in the healthcare fields wants to stay there. So the idea was that she would help people transition out of caregiving positions into other jobs. And uh, it made it for like a little bit, but then she started her own practice and she got real busy. So I know it was like one of those, like it's, it's there when she's ready to come back. And I hope that she does because it was a really good show. But it's also like, it's not like we're paying people. We can't pay people to do shit because we don't get money, you know? So it's like, I can't be like, come back, please, you know? So yeah, it's cool. But it's a, it was a good thesis for a show, so. No, that's good. You need to watch the two-hour YouTube videos so you guys can drop ship merch and then make money. And then when you we figure out how to do it, let me know how to do it a lot easier. We got, we, so we have a pretty strong merch game to the point where people thought that Cinepunks was a t-shirt company for like the first five years that we were a show. So the thing is, we have a lot of friends that are screen printers, you know what I mean? So whenever we have like these stupid ideas, people are like, we'll print them for you. And the next thing you know, we're like, yo, we should do like, and that's the thing, man, it's Cinepunks, right? So it's like pretty obscure stuff a lot of the time, you know, and not too many people care that we have a Holy Mountain Cinepunks t-shirt, you know what I mean? That's themed after the original Jodorowsky art. Like, no one cares, you know? And it's like, so now we have these boxes of t-shirts. But they're in Liam's house in Chicago, so it's cool. I don't Oh, really much better, man. Yeah, much easier, I promise. <laughs> I lived out in Chicago for two years. And that is the most fun city, north side of Chicago. Most fun city. I'm sure it's outside, you know, it's just as fun. Uh, north side, fun city, clean, public yeah. transportation, living in the in the Philadelphia area. A bus, so like, I'm probably not going to jump on it. The, the trains are fine, stepped in, all that stuff. The trains, you know, they're not as a horror story as you'll see some other places. But Chicago <laughs> was always pristine. Like, yeah, regular people on there didn't smell like pee. I was like, how do you guys do this? Like, Philadelphia, like, you're supposed to, you're, that's like part of the payment to get on there. You piss in the corner and, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It was always nice. Yeah. I don't know. I've shamefully, I've only been to Chicago three times now. Two of the times was for Riot Fest. And it was because the first time was because The Cure was playing. I had to see The Cure because that's like my favorite band. And then the second time was because um, Avail was doing their reunion shows. And that was one of them. And that's like my favorite hardcore band of all time. So I was like, I went to Virginia. I went to Richmond for their first reunion show. And then I went to Riot Fest for that just to see them. And it was 
those are really, really fun. Have you ever been to a Riot Fest in Chicago? Yeah, so I, I think it's like in Humboldt Park, which is about two blocks, yeah. three blocks from where I was. And uh, the first year we were there, I don't think Rose was playing there. Then the second year, that was the what the year we decided to get married on that weekend. And Gaslight Anthem was playing that weekend. I was like, oh, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. <laughs> then they weren't there. And then uh, I guess we were gone by the next one. So I didn't get to go. Oh, man. But it was a, yeah, normally Humboldt Park will have some stories or, or you know, the park in Humboldt Park. Sometimes there's mm. some little turf war going on. And I was like, is this really great? And everyone's like, no, no, it's safe during this time. You can definitely go. I was like, great. That's three blocks that way. And I was very excited <laughs> for it. But, but I had to get married. And I was like, ah, do I stay married? Yeah, you know? No, no, no. I made the right choice. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been to C2E2 out there? No, I don't know that one. That's the Comic Book and Entertainment Expo. Oh, okay. No, I've never been to one of those. You, do you go to those? So the last time I used to work at a, with a dude named Mark Beamer. And he used to do a company called Shirts for a Cure. You know about this? No. At all? So it started out as like a hardcore, like punk thing where bands would give exclusive designs to Beamer and then he'd print them on t-shirts and then all the proceeds from those designs would go to something like four or five specific breast cancer institutions in the country, particularly ones that are serving less served populations, right? So like poorer ones and stuff. And then... it was it was like warp tour like that was the whole thing it went for like something like 19 years and the last couple of years of that was at new york comic-con and he transitioned from van t-shirts because really not too many people care if you have a texas is the reason t-shirt you know what i mean more people cared if you had a doctor who t-shirt so then we started doing just nerd shirts for new york comic-con and like that went on up until maybe 2019 and then that year we went to C2E2 and the very next week pandemic shut everything down. But that was like the last time I was in Chicago and uh, their comic book expo way different than the New York one, I got to say. So, you know, maybe not as like big spatially, but my God, it was lawless. <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> yeah. it had a great time. Yeah. That's awesome. Fun. It's a shame that the, you know, not single out the nerds here, but the nerds are taking over Doctor Who, that that's more. I guess maybe there's a, a wider range you can do where yeah, I mean, if you're just selling yeah, the punk thing. shirts. Some, sometimes the the guys who listen to it grow up and or, or whatever, like, oh, I can't wear that. I have to wear, you know, whatever it is. And uh, <laughs> yep, well, to be made, they should still wear it. We made a lot. We made a lot more money doing the nerd stuff is the case. You know what I mean? Like we would say it wasn't just Doctor Who. It was also Stranger Things and Star Wars, like the entire gamut of ephemera relating to a Comic-Con situation was there. Yeah. It was awesome. You, your slice of pie is bigger, I think, going for yeah, quote unquote, for sure. you know, the nerd part there. We're, we're coming <laughs> back, though. Let, let's grow the punk rock one. Let's get that back. Let's do a yeah. hybrid, like a Doctor Who and, and Cross Keys t-shirt or something. Him wearing I, one. Listen, so I have a tattoo appointment in two weeks, I think, where I'm getting Animal from the Muppets. Yeah. But he's going to be wearing a Cross Keys t-shirt. Because <laughs> so Dave Wagonsheets, who plays drums in Cross Keys, he did a podcast or something and someone asked him like, so who's your most influential drummer? And they presented Bonham or moon. And he was just like animal. So <laughs> I wanted to get a, a tattoo of animal wearing a cross keys t-shirt. And he's going to say cross keys, believe in you. This is really, I funny. love it. I so, love yeah, it. that's going to be, that's my tribute to Dave wagon Cause he's one of the greatest punk rock drummers and drummers of all time, in my opinion. And he's in my band, so why wouldn't I get a tattoo of him? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I you gotta celebrate cool. that. And so Love then you put that on a T-shirt, and that's the that's the that's the combo we're talking about right here. There it is, man. I can I can 
I can offer 15% of every shirt. You got it. <laughs> no one cares. We've made so many cool t-shirts with cross keys. And I just feel like we present them and the general public at large is like, thank you, but no thank you. Like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe better marketing or something. We'll, we'll think of something. These are out there. People have to have them. When I worked at the hospital for 20 years, I used to just hand out t-shirts from having done merch tables for bands for the same amount of time that I worked there, if not longer. So there is a literal army of people in these streets of North Philadelphia walking around in the finest accoutrement from uh, merch tables across the country <laughs> from 1996 to 2002. Yeah, it's real weird. So uh <laughs> a so lot of them were Morrissey shirts too though so oh okay yeah. so when your your buddy's doing the fundraiser then like a guy wants to get the t-shirt and he's like well i just saw this other guy struggling with addiction on the side of the street begging for money and should we have the exact same t-shirt and you're like I, you know i don't know yeah. Uh, yeah but why not right it brings people together good. yeah i think it's funny yeah. yeah man all about it that's my shit what kind of music do you listen to like what's your what's your steve so I grew up uh, like a warp tour kid and stuck with that for a long time and like the uh, like real big fish in the ska and boss tones and stuff like that. Then what I transitioned to, I guess I stuck with that for the longest time, you know, honestly. And then uh, Gaslight Anthem picked up, and I, I think where I really found you guys was the Sing Here Now Fest, the Dave Hawes Fest that he did. Oh. Uh, did and then the, no, so I yeah. I had tickets for Gaslight Anthem and the Long Beach Dub All Stars the week after, and since I have two kids, I kind of have to pick and choose. You know, where I'm going, it's not, it's not the good old days of like, I get to go every show. Mm -hmm. So for that, I had to pass. But then, so I saw you guys are coming up for the New York City show and I'm trying to score a babysitter for that. So then, you know, shoot my wife up there and we'll go check that out. So your show coming up, this is a a rough transition here. (laughs) Your show coming up with, with Hawes is you guys are going on on a cruise. It's a cruise ship. It's like a three hour tour. It's like a Gilligan's Island. The last time I was on a boat was in seventh grade. And uh, we went on a whale watching trip in Bar Harbor, Maine, because my parents had this like, we're going to see whales. Cool. I ended up throwing up all over the place and didn't see a whale. So that was the last time I was on a boat. So this shit is going to be weird, is the point of my story. Yeah. I are no you, are you worried about getting seasick? It doesn't go that fast, I mean, but still. Yeah. I, I, I'm worried about getting attacked by a whale. But um, <laughs> no, nah, man, I, I just. I fucking hate boats, man. I'm not that dude. But it's also like, what am I going to do? Not play? Like, that's dumb, too. So, fuck it. We're just going to go for it. And come what may, I have no idea what's going to happen. So, we'll, well see. Wear floaties. And this way, in case the boat starts going down, you don't have to go find the life mask. Like, you're, you're preset. I mean, I could swim. It's just the throwing up on motion sickness business that I'm not trying to have happen to me. You know what yeah. I mean? Last weekend, I organized a fishing trip for my son and his buddies and some dads in the neighborhood. So we went down to Wildwood Crest and went out of there. And the last couple of years, we did bay fishing out of Margate. And this one was like a giant 100-person, you know, like the group Whoa. fishing thing, whatever. Okay. And we didn't have 100 people. It was just a 100-person boat. And, you know, they give you the bait and the rods and all that good stuff. And when I've, done, I've gotten seasick before going out in these big things, but I was, I was much younger. And then I started taking Dramamine a little bit, but it made me so tired. Right. So uh, if I'm driving or with my kids, like I don't be slurry or you know, falling asleep, you know, especially, yeah. you know, hour and a half drive, whatever it is. So I went on <laughs> Amazon and they had these like Chinese acupressure pressure points, little oh, uh, like the wristbands. Stuff? Yeah. yeah. So just this little plastic dot. 
And I wore it. I was out there for four hours, did not get seasick at all. My son did not get seasick. Another uh, a kid on the boat, he was a little bit older than my son. He took the Dramamine and was not handling it well. So I was like, well, this kid's like struggling and I feel pretty good. Let me take these brace, bracelets off. He was up and fishing in 30 minutes. I went, I didn't get seasick, but I definitely noticed the difference from taking them off than having them on. But I was able to ride it out and you know stay strong. And then this kid was able to get up and fish and catch stuff. So nice. you should check in these little uh, voodoo bracelets that you put on and you, you don't have to worry about anything. Duly noted. I will 100% look into it. <laughs> yeah. And Sounds so like you're like afraid that like a whale is going to eat you. I've been yeah. so traumatized by Jaws that even sitting out there, we're off the Cape May Point and you can see the beach. And yeah. like I, I wasn't a high school swimmer or college, any of that, but I know to swim. And I'm like, well, if this went down, I could definitely swim to there. It's not that far. Like I'm pretty sure my son probably could swim that far. It would have been fine. But then I started going down in the water. I'm like, man, there's fucking sharks in here. I know there's, there's a shark under our boat just waiting for me. Fuck that, I can't man. handle it. No, not, no. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. Dude, no, people who go scuba diving intentionally down, like you're going into their realm. Have, like they yeah. love Have you water. There's a Gil Scott Heron bit about that in one of his live records where he talks about he's the only person that was rooting for Jaws. He's like, yeah, if Jaws was walking around in Harlem, then yeah, fuck that guy. But since I'm walking around in his supermarket, dude, if you haven't listened to any of those I, live I, I Gil did. Scott Heron recordings. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to check that out. So good. So, yeah, that so makes he didn't come in your house. You're in his house. Yeah, it's true. There you Find go. You're littering shit. You're throwing barrels in his in his in his backyard. He's like, dude, get it the fuck out. Mm, good. Mm, I'm mm, glad he, he should have ate more of them. I, I hope they make another one. Get get them all. <laughs> and even stupid Sharknado, Sharknado, or whatever that stupid one. And I was hooked for all like ten a of those. Of those. Yeah, I love so all many. Fucking stupid. Oh, sweet baby oh, Jesus, man. it's a lot. It's a lot of cinema, man. Just oh. saying. I saw Hasselhoff was in there, but sold. I'm, I can't wait. Sold. I'm watching it. So fucking nuts, man. Man, that's great. Have I you done an episode though. on Sharknado? No? no we have not. It. We have not. I, I will add it to the list. It's it's going to be bot on the list, I feel. It's not getting <laughs> yeah. bumped for anything. <laughs> I don't know if you know, man. Like, I love, like, don't get it twisted. I don't, I never went to school for film, but I've seen a lot. Like, I've seen a lot of. French New Wave, Czech New Wave movies. I love a lot of like, you know, surrealist film. I love, you know, Kira Kurosawa. Like, I love all that shit. But I also have a Fast and the Furious tattoo. So you tell me, what is cinema? I don't fucking know. You know what I mean? All I know is what I like. Just living your life a quarter mile a time over there. That's it. Not even a little bit, bro. That's just what it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good style. That's awesome, man. I haven't seen maybe the last two or three I haven't seen. But the other ones were amazing. And I'll oh, get back dude. on because I know ten just came out. So I guess I saw eight. So I missed nine and ten. I'll have to catch up on those. You need to see nine, but ten is essential, I would say. Yeah. I mean, it's still like okay, so Fast X came out this year, as did John Wick Four, right? John Wick Four came out, yeah. Yeah. It just mm-hmm. came out to rent now. Dude, I think John Wick is my favorite movie franchise of all time. But Fast X had the best villain in any movie ever in Jason Momoa. So I don't know, man. I think John Wick might have just won just by a little bit, but we have two more fast movies. So who's to say? I'll they're wait on the 12th. The uh, dude, they're not going to stop. Well, this is going to be like the Expendables. They're going to merge that together. They said that this is going to be the last one, which is why it's like a two-parter or three-parter. So, I mean, they ended on a cliffhanger. Pretty great. Got to say. Well, it's a thing. not to be negative here, but of course it ended on a cliffhanger. So they keep making more. 
Yeah. So there yeah, was, yeah. There was a, a Stephen King show and it was called Under the Dome. And I read the book on it and you know, this show's now ten years old, I don't know, eight, ten years old, or whatever. Under the dome, yeah. uh, one day the city just walks out and there's a dome around their city and they can't get out. And the book's pretty good. It, you know, it's easy. It's not scary. It's just a good book. Flip through. It's great. Yeah. You get to the end. Kind of stupid, whatever. So they're going to do a mini series. Like, oh, we're going to eight episodes. I was like, great. I'll check out these eight, eight episodes. After episode three, like, all right, 13 episodes. Then halfway through that, they're like, all right, season two. The second they smelled more money, they're like, yep, print, print, print. There were episodes yeah. in there. Such bullshit. Did nothing. Just wasted time. I was like, oh, uh, my God. Yeah. That's too bad. I they mean, should come out. The, all these shows should come out and tell you. King properties, though? What's that? Stephen King properties always lose steam halfway through for me, except for The Shining. And like, the stand is like, really good. The original, The Stand, that two parter. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, you're not wrong. And the Langoliers movie, if I, I remember. Langoliers are pretty was, good. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. The short stories. I mean, well, no, The Stand was, I read the book for The Stand and it took me like a month. <laughs> the original It was awesome. The yeah, newer one's not I, bad, but the original one was awesome. Well, Tim Curry, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, what are you going to do? Like, that's just iconic. I did love the Anthony Machete ones, though. Like, I thought they were good. So did you like them? Did you enjoy the, the newer? I, no, I did, enjoy, I did enjoy those. But if I had to pick, I would uh, pick the older ones. You'd go Tim Curry. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. But I, did, I thought cool. the new ones were good. But it, maybe it's just one of the first things that creeped me out in this. Like, I had yeah, like special place for me. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Those lifelong memories. That's yeah, my like, favorite. I remember time. Candyman. I had a, I started watching it the one night and I had to stop it. I was like, this is, you know, I was probably 10 or something that came out. I'm like, man, I can't handle this. And then the next day I got home from school and I remember opening the blinds, uh, you know, pulling the shades up. So it's just bright light coming in. I stood in the middle of my living room and finished watching. Didn't even stand. I'm sorry. Didn't even sit down. I just stood the whole time and just watched the rest of Candyman. Great movie. It's a there good too. fucking movie. Yeah. yeah. And the new Super one, good. like the new one was watchable, but not the first one. Like that was nah. so fucking good. Yeah, that first one. I mean, dude, Virginia Madsen's in there. Like, she's so awesome. And uh, what's his name? Um, he was in the remake of Night of the Living Dead, the 1990 Tom Savini one. The black dude. What's his name? Yeah, I can't. I can't think of his name. Anyway, did you see that yeah. Tom Savini remake of, of Night of the uh, Living Dead? I I definitely think so. Uh, it's not coming it's, to my head any details. Dude, that and the thing are my two favorite horror remakes of all time. All time. I love and to buy those, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another Stephen King one, though, so The Mist, the very end of The Mist is the most like fucked up 10 minutes of a movie ever. The last like five minutes so or whatever good. it is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you movie. You have to retract though. your hate for Stephen King. Maybe you're just talking about the mini I know. But you know what off. it is? The first movie that ever scared the bullshit out of me was Maximum Overdrive because I was like 10 years old also. And it was one of those, he directed it. It's the only movie he directed. And I was at a sleepover that night at my friend Bad Michael's house, who I'm still friends with. And the movie fucked me up so bad that I just left and walked home in the middle of the night. But again, I was this, I was like a fifth grader and I didn't have a key to my house because we were just staying at Uncle Rudy's house, who's Bad Michael's dad, you know? And I had to like wake my dad up at two in the morning, knocking on our fucking door because of maximum overdrive. And then when I got like four years older, I was like, this movie is dumb. And I think I might be stupid because this scared the shit out of me. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those moments. So fuck a Stephen King. But that's not true. I can't. I, you're, you're right. I, I love Stand By Me. 
what do you want from me? You know, what the I mean? stu- you know the, even the stuff that you forget, the running man, that was a Stephen King, King short story. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that was great too. Yeah. Do you know yeah. about my shirts for cross keys? I, I don't think so. Let's hear it. So are they one based of my on best, Stephen King? No. One <laughs> of my best friends is the tailor for a little pop star named Rihanna. So wow. her gig is she tours with Rihanna all the time, but she's still straight edge, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't party. So Cross Keys has been a band now for seven years. In that time, for every single show that I've ever played, Grace makes me a button-up floral shirt when she's on tour. So I'm the only person in my band <laughs> that gets these custom-made floral shirts from the tailor of Rihanna. And everyone else in the band is like, you know, they wear shorts and T-shirts and are covered in tattoos and have hair, some of them. And uh, I, I'm the only one that looks like I'm in a Brit rock band from the 90s in our band, which is weird. But it's also like one of, I, in my mind, it's hard to imagine that anyone would want to listen to us, <laughs> which is fucked up to say. And I get that. I apologize to my bandmates. But you know how it is when, you know, you, you're raised with like a, a poor sense of self, poor self-esteem kind of thing. and like. It's always like as a child of a first, like I'm a first generation Filipino here. Right. And um, a lot of my growing up experiences were like, you're now like the standard bearer for the progeny of all these people that emigrated here. Right. So like all of our contemporaries, because like my parents and their friends all moved here in the same year in 63. They all had kids at the same time. And that was my first set of friends. And the impetus behind all of our rearing was to become like doctors and fucking lawyers and all this shit. And some of us did, but me and my brother are the only ones that are covered in tattoos. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we worked in the hospital, but we weren't doctors. And like, now I'm, I work in a tattoo removal company, you know what I mean? But I still sing for a punk band. I still play bass in other hardcore bands. You know what I mean? And like, I look at all like the kids that we grew up with and it's like, they're happy. I guess, but not by their own definition. Whereas I was always raised to like doubt wanting to play guitar instead of wanting to play basketball or doubt wanting to go into a creative like career as opposed to like some type of like clinical or technical or like just outwardly difficult because of some type of academia like thing. You know what I mean? So like being a singer in a band and being the focal point is like fucked up already. And then having to deal with like all like this other stuff, but then Grace makes me these shirts and it feels like I'm wearing armor. You know what I mean? And that's already like how we get through it. You know what I'm saying? I went on a tangent. I'm sorry about that. I don't even know where I was going with that. All of that. I like, so I lived in Philadelphia for a couple of years, for the most part, Jersey. So Mm. the only thing, if you're from New Jersey, you have to like New Jersey music. So it's like, Oh, Bruce Springsteen and Gaslight Anthem. Love them. Let's go. But the only thing Jersey people, like the next thing they love is Philadelphia bands. So mm. I I hear you guys and I, I like punk rock and everything. And I'm like, dude, this is fucking good. And, you know, I'm old. So anything new or that I'm just hearing, you know, for just coming out in the last couple of years, for the most part, I'm like, you know, hey, no, if it didn't come out from like 2010 before, probably not interested. So I hear this. Great. My works with a guy. He is in a Jersey punk band. His voice is so nasally. I can't listen to it. Like the guitar, the music sounds great. They kind of sound like Goldfingers. They're playing like that faster. And it's fucking, yeah. the music is good. And like his words are, are not bad. The, the nasaliness. So he can't have it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to chop that up. I don't want to throw him under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm listening to you guys. And 
you you guys are the complete package. Like I, yeah. I think that you sound great on there. I think the music sounds great. I think what you're saying is great and reignites that fire and you know that 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 kid who, who was like the Wachovia Center and in the Camden parking lots and you know like whatever it is like mm-hmm. oh man this is the music that I love that I have a hard time finding. You know, I, I guess I could you know have streaming on Alexa or do YouTube things that are kind of just beyond me. Uh, but <laughs> a little a little research I might maybe get my son to help me find the music that I like. But uh, yeah, I'm also kind of like that old dog, and I, I kind of like what I like, and I'm sticking with the bands that I know. But I've been listening to you guys a lot since I that May Festival you were on do, and I was able to start streaming you guys. Like you guys are fucking good. Thank you. It's nice yeah. of you to say, man. You guys, hey, you do a great job. Not that I can relate you... to what you do. I my job isn't doing anything with it. So I, I have a lot of things from your little tangent. So I work a regular nine to five job. It is so what do you do? unfulfilling. Do what, what is fiscal type of things for state government? Oh, okay. It is All right. Painfully boring the excel sheet that's it, it, yeah there's no not that i'm like on, on the verge of a midlife crisis but there's no excitement in that you know so i get my excitement like through my family and through my friends and things that i want to do and mm. this podcast is like well this is a great outlet but yeah. when i was maybe in 2017 or 18 i i wrote a book my son was like oh mom what do you do and she's like oh i'm a nurse and he's like great that's crazy like, dad what do you do and i was like well i do like fiscal budget stuff he's like what I'm like, I stare at Excel. He's like, what? I was like, I type in dollars into a spreadsheet and that's it. And he just like, just, you know, blank stare at me and moves on. So I was like, shit, like I got to do something. There's something in me that I have to be able to do. So I started writing a book and I thought of like a fourth grade spy and I used his name and I made it all like the GI Joe type of stuff that like the cartoons, like we grew up with, like nobody really gets hurt. And you know, there's some action and stuff. So I ended up writing three books. I wrote a trilogy and got it out. And when I first published it, I first published it was a shit and I've cleaned it up a lot since then. I've had some help with editors. It probably could still be a lot better, but putting it out there that first time, even through now, knowing that people are reading like shit that I thought of, like conversations that I put between characters that all came from my head. Like that's fucking weird, man. Like that's, that's not fucking amazing though, <laughs> yeah, bro. You Dude, put yourself out there. So cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I think singing is so fucking cool, but you're up there, but also like you kind of have like these little eyes like judging you. Right. Isn't that yeah. it's awful Uh, like here's the thing man like i'm i mean i know i participate in a lot of like outward facing projects and stuff like that but for the most part i'm relatively a private individual you know what i mean like i don't really do well with social media i don't do well with anything like that but for krosky's like so i wrote this record when i was in arizona and like, it was hard because I was away from the rest of the fellows for the two months that we were away. But also I was just writing because I didn't know what else was going to happen in my life. You know what I mean? So these lyrics come from the darkest part of my life to date. Like legitimately, like I didn't even know what was going to happen. And then you're staring down the barrel of like, well, am I just going to be a burden on those who love me? You know what I mean? Like, is that what it is? Like, and then, you know, my brother still works at the hospital. You know, so it's like, well, now he's there and like, that sucks. Like now there's this like element of shame being like, so uh, how's it going at the job? You know what I mean? Like that fucking conversation. So to realize that people are hearing what I was thinking about and writing and then to have like a lot of people have reached out to me in regards to the content of the lyrics. And I'm always happy to do my best to help because you can't change those stripes, you know what I mean? Like if that's just who you are, you're just always going to try and help people. And despite being a true capitalist now, because I just work for money, it's one of those, that's the currency that really makes being in any type of project worth it for me. 
that I can talk to people that'll say like, yeah, I know what you're talking about here. And sometimes they don't, which is the best part. Like my one friend, there was a song on one of the first EPs that had the chorus of, um, I can't talk about the stars. I don't know anything about them. And he was like, dude, that's the most romantic line. I used it in my, uh, what I got engaged to my wife now. It's like, dude, that was the greatest thing. And I was like, yeah, that song is about sitting in a mental hospital in the TV room while you're watching daytime television where they're talking to stars that I have no idea about. Thus the line, I can't talk about the stars. I don't know anything about them. And he's like, oh, it's in our wedding ring. I'm like, cool. <laughs> and I'm glad that I could help, but uh, whatever you take from it, bro, it's all good, you know? So, but it's just, it's funny because it's like, again, these dark, dark, dark thoughts that I had during that time are now part of public record. And people sing them back to us at shows. And it's like, fuck, man, that was a weird time, you know? But yeah, they take it to be their meaning, though. This is like the yeah. uh, can't hardly wait. And he wants to find Mandy, then uh, Amanda, then a Mandy comes in. He wrote about his dog, man. But hey, <laughs> your, your, your friend found weird. romance in, in the lyric. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. It's just it's just funny, though. Like that those records were just getting our feet wet. You know what I mean? Like Savior is a little bit more poignant in terms of like lyrical content and what I wanted to say. But this is the most open the reason you is the most open I've ever been in any project. So it's, it's been a, I mean, like it was, it's been a rough road to get it out. And now that it's out, we're all just like, ah, you know, and it's cool, but it's also like, we've just started writing for LP number three now. So now what do I write about? You know what I mean? It's like, there's still more, I still got, you know, more in the tank, but it's also just like, it's, it's already intimidating. And now you got to do it again but better than the last time. So now you have well, to go quit this job and go maybe Wisconsin or something. I guess. I don't know, man. <laughs> go anywhere. I suppose. Can we see movies there? I'm good with it. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah you can stream anywhere. You're fine. <laughs> Are you coming to our show next weekend? And so I'm going to try for the New York city one. And then you have one in September in Philly. So I'm definitely going to make yeah. that. So Wednesday, I think during the week. So I'll definitely be able to make this, that one. This Saturday is in Asbury park with town liar. Do you know that band? No, off the top of my head, I don't know them. It's it's Benny from Gaslight Anthem's new band. Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. We have a family party on Saturday. Uh, uh, yeah, we're in Asbury Park with them. It's but funny it's at night, though, it's, right? You're playing at night? No, it's five to nine. Mm. So, yeah. It's, uh, the band is cool because it's Benny from, from um, Gaslight Anthem on drums, and then Nick Romandelli from he was in i hate you and a bunch of other like philadelphia like seminal bands he's playing guitar in that band and then uh jay shevchuk he used to sing for kid dynamite and he sings for none more black he sings for that band too so it's like a weird super group that, like it's like the ground floor you know what i mean so pretty cool no, that's awesome. are you yeah you're playing you rain uh, i'm from new jersey yeah yeah i'm from cherry hill did you know that oh no i, I did not know that no so uh currently yeah, i live in medford yeah. Yeah. When you said that in the email, I was like, oh yeah, I know what that is. Yeah. So I, I used to, yeah, I had a girlfriend that lived in Medford Lakes at the time and it was a wild place to be. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Not very much sun. That's all I can remember. So, <laughs> Not a lot of sun. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Cherry Hill uh, lived in Wexford Lees for a year. Oh yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that I went to uh, Stockton grade school. So that was third grade, I think. And then mm -hmm. a bunch of people in my neighborhood now are all from the Cherry Hill area. And if like, Somehow my neighborhood is all 40 somethings with like two kids and a picket fence. And so we all get nice. together and like 
we're all about the same age, like, oh, Cherry Hill, Cherry Hill. And, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I went to Sterling High School, which is uh, in Somerdale. So mm. right down the street from Cherry Hill. Um, right. But, but yeah, that's awesome. So you were in bands in, in high school, too? No, I didn't start playing in bands till after college, actually. I went to oh, school yeah. in Elizabeth. I went to school uh, to be a high school teacher, believe it or not. And uh, I went to school in Elizabeth, and then I taught in Linden for a little bit. But I also worked at Vintage Vinyl for like five or six years, something like that, like a long time. And um, when I got out of school, I played in a band with my manager from Vintage Vinyl called George's Dead. And we used to play at the Melody Bar in New Brunswick a lot. And we played in um, like at the Fast Lanes in Asbury, like that kind of band. So it was fun. But yeah, I didn't start playing until after college. So but at the time, I lived with Chris, who used to play in Ensign. You know what I mean? And like, so I used to do a bunch of the New Brunswick shows and I used to go to New York a lot. Like, that was like, I mean, Philly was always home, but like the Central Jersey scene, like, I knew Benny when he was in Dilemma when he was like 16 years old. You know what I mean? Like, we've known all those people for a very long time. <laughs> and it's really funny to be playing with them now. So that's so yeah, cool. I'm into it. Yeah. What took so long for you to get started? And I guess I what was that, that bravery of it, of getting started that late? What, well, I thought I was going to be a teacher, right? Like my mom's a nurse and my dad was a high school teacher. So, but he taught like speech and drama, you know what I mean? So I was like, well, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. And again, like, you know, survivalist mentality doesn't really leave much room for like, oh, this is a thing that feeds your soul. You know what I mean? So through all of college and like I did two majors, right? So it took me five years to finish. And then like I taught for two years. So there's like a seven year period of my life when I just didn't touch a guitar, didn't do anything, just went to shows, but didn't like write or anything like that. And then um, Dave, who plays guitar in Cross Keys, he was my best friend in seventh grade. And we've been friends ever since. And he was just like, he called me one day and was like, dude, you're living in North Jersey with none of your family, none of your friends. And we're all here in Philadelphia chilling. Why don't you just come home? And I was like, yeah, why don't I just come home? So then I did. And then that's when I started playing because me and Dave were in a band called Hey Angel for a long time. So that was like my first. Well, I started two bands when I moved back to Philly. And that was one of them. The other one was a band called Belagost. And that was like a post-rock instrumental, like a Godspeed You Black Emperor kind of band. But um, it was with all punks. So it was me and like dudes from... Crucial Unit and Fighting Dogs, like those kinds of crusty bands, you know? Both of those bands played our first shows in the same weekend kind of thing. So, you know, I moved to Philly and started big, and then I just never stopped. So, Did you play play the guitar as a kid? I played guitar, yeah. I played guitar, like, starting at 14 years old. Me and Dave learned guitar together. And uh, at the time, I was listening to a lot of Simon and Garfunkel and a lot of, like, 60s, like, finger-style guitar and folk music. So that's what I learned how to play. But when I moved back to Philadelphia after being in North Jersey for so long, I was uh, playing bass because nobody ever wants to play bass. I'm like, well, I know how to play a guitar. I'm pretty sure it's not that hard. Yeah. Everyone needed a bass player at the time. So that's what I did. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Fine. Yeah. It's cool. What it's funny. You now, good. Uh, well, now I'm more comfortable with bass, but I still play guitar and sing for like, I do a solo project now. That's just, Billy Bragg worship. So it's like electric guitars and singing. That's it. And I know it's weird. It's a weird circuitous route, man. You know what I mean? Where did the singing come from? As a kid, I, that was like the one talent that I had. Like I was bad at sports. I never could skateboard. I couldn't land ollies or anything like that. But um, I was in choir 
for from church and then in high school and then I just never stopped singing. That's always been like my thing, you know. That's so awesome, man. That's the one talent that I wish that I had. Like even at karaoke, my singing is atrocious. It brings nobody joy. It brings me no joy. It brings nobody joy. I was about to say, it's about the joy. You know what I mean? There's no joy anywhere. (laughs) Horrible embarrassment everywhere. People are embarrassed for me. I'm embarrassed for doing it. I picked the longest song possible. It's like, do we need to do Bohemian Rhapsody? Like, can we just, Jesus. (laughs) I could see it killing, though. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, all right, good. Hey, I appreciate your support. (laughs) No, but being a lead singer, and I'm tall. I'm 6'3". So lead singers, front men are not that tall. It just doesn't work. You move. It looks very odd. It looks very strange. Uh, one of the yeah. best I ever saw, like Scott Weiland of Stone Temple Pilots, was like, if he was not the lead singer of a band, I don't think he would have existed. I think he was just yeah. born to be a lead singer. And it's part of that being that five, 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 whatever he is, five, seven, whatever he was, uh, you know, but you just move differently up there. Your, your limbs look more compact, like the way they should. And then you got like me and I'm like a scarecrow and there's like stuff blown in the wind. Like, why would your arm do that? I'm like, well, it's three feet of arm it has to do something. <laughs> I get it. But luckily man. I can't yeah. sing. Otherwise, you know, I'd, I'd have a shitty punk band going on right now. And uh, I'd be, on, be talking about movies on your podcast. But, but, uh, hey, man, nobody listens you're one of the top movies and punk rock on our show anyway. So whatever. Okay. Yeah. It's all good, Thanks. you know? <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that's really cool. And, and get out there. You know, put yourself out there. You write the music and it's personal. And what you wrote in a dark place, now people are taking, uh, I'm sorry, do CDs even have linear, linear notes anymore? Like, so like, people aren't even yeah. getting the message. But, but for them, uh, yeah, they do, right? But I mean, for the most part, you're streaming it. I've been playing on my Alexa the whole time. Some people still get the album. That's great. But this isn't, yeah. you know, from the beginning of time until the <laughs> 2000s when you're like, oh, now everything's just electronically. I'm getting on Napster. I'm getting on LimeWire. You know, but yeah. like, you could sit there and read everything and be like, oh, you know, I kind of get what he's saying now. Or maybe I see where the dark darkness of this is. But instead now just one phrase or the hook gets stuck in your head and you just now turned it into whatever you thought it meant. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah, think that's cool, thing, though, too. That gives it its own life. It does. The, the, so here's a, a little secret about the good old lyrics for cross keys. I write songs about my friends. So Times of Grace is about Grace, who makes the shirts for me. You know what I mean? And um, Pucho is about my brother, Pucho. And, you know, the, all these songs are about, like, they're people that I have in mind when I write to them, you know? And it's like, even our song about the Trocadero is called Rest in Peace Art Street. That's a song that uh, my friend Ralph used to work at the Trocadero. And at, in every show between bands, he would read the, the ad for the bands that were coming up. He'd read them over the loudspeaker, which is why there's a lyric in that song that says... Um, and the voice of Ralph comes down from high. And like, it's just funny. Cause like, I'll have breakfast with Ralph. Be like, yo, I wrote a song. Your name's in there. It's totally you. And he's like, oh, me, that's awesome. It's like, yeah. So that's kind of like, it's funny to have like such a depressing record and then think of my friends too. But uh, yeah, that's what this one is. So it's pretty funny. It's an interesting hybrid anyway. It's, it's everything I have. You know what I mean? It's, it's all currencies ex- expended because like, Outside of love and sorrow, like what else is there to write about, right? Like that's kind of where we're at. And the things that I love the most and the things that make me the saddest are often, you know, friends that are there and friends that are gone. So oh, yeah. it's a weird thing, you know? I admit it. I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing either. I don't even know how I'm going to write the next one if we're being honest with each other. Cause like, it's like, okay, now what? You know what I mean? Like, well, shit. 
I don't. I look at a blank piece of paper now. I'm like, well, how the fuck did we do this that time? I have no idea. But isn't it always now what though? Is that kind of the exciting part of it? It's definitely the edge of the blade. You know what I mean? It's the part that either like cuts the new way or cuts yourself. And to whatever end, it is an entertaining and enticing time. But it's still just like intimidating, especially if people like the shit that you wrote. Like before, no one gave a shit. I've been in 20,000 bands. No one cares about not one of them. Guess what? No pressure to do anything better than that. Just do whatever the fuck you want. So now it's like, oh, everyone likes this shit? Fuck. Like now what? You know what I mean? Like I, it's, it's intimidating. But it's also cool. Like whatever. Fuck it, man. You know? Yeah. Hey. And so I would say, you know, one thing that's cool, though, if you can write a million songs. Doesn't mean yeah. to record them. Doesn't mean to release them. You know, and as you're yeah. there, and you know, your bandmates better step in and help you out and be like, "Guys, hey, Matt, wrote the last one. Like, let's go. Bunch of you around here. Everyone write one. We got five <laughs> albums sitting here. It's, help us see, out." Here's the thing, also about Crosskeys. All the players in that band are so much better at their instruments than I am at mine. You know what I mean? Like, Dave is a hell of a shredder. Like, he's the guy who does all the lead guitar stuff, and Bo writes a lot of the rhythm stuff, and he's just one of those players that I can't even believe that he's in a band with me. You know what I mean? And then Andrew, who plays bass, that dude has like, he doesn't play with a guitar pick. So he does the finger style and he's like way more proficient at bass than I'll ever be. Cause I play with a pick and I have to count without looking at anybody. Cause like, it'll mess me up if I look at them. And then, you know, Dave Wagonsheets is playing drums. He was an ink and dagger. Like, what? that's not something that happens to me. You know what I mean? And here we are once a week in this room looking at each other and having the times of our lives it's still just it's everybody in that band is such a good player and it really is intimidating to just try and step in there and be like okay let me add my part of the puzzle you know but then also it's so encouraging in that like we all love and respect each other and we all like the art that everyone else makes together so you know it's cool it's cool (laughs) No, I like that, man. I think that's great. It's funny because this is my second time doing a band with Wags. And uh, the first time he filled in on drums for my hardcore band that I sang for called Halo of Snake. And he played a couple of shows. With us. Like we got a show with Rorschach and he played and like a couple other like pretty like the bigger shows our, our drummer at the time couldn't play. And so like we would have Wags step in. Just knowing that a person who I've admired and revered for as long as I have respects my artistic capabilities across not one, but two projects. That's like enough to make me cry. If I think about it, you know what I mean? Just because, and then to have that person be like one of my very dear friends, like it doesn't seem like I deserve it. You know what I mean? Like it feels like I, I, I lied somewhere. <laughs> so I don't know. It's a thing. It's, an, it's what it is, man. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. It was like a <laughs> imposter syndrome or something. Like you feel like, like you, I, you know, I, like you, do, you personally feel like you don't belong, but everyone else sees that you do. And you're like, man, I'm just yeah. faking it here. And like, that they keep inviting me to this is crazy. And it's, it's not like I got kicked out of the band, like, but this guy keeps choosing me. Like we keep getting together in different stuff. Like maybe he doesn't yeah. know what he's talking about, you know, but this is just like the self doubt at you. I mean, but I've part of that what drives you though, too, days. is that part of like the madness that if you're just happy I'm, and, and loving everything, like don't you have to be like a tortured soul at some point to. I think greatness, so. right? It's part of it's part of the trope, at least. I, I know all I know is this: it's always the feeling of gasping for air, but knowing that you're not going to drown. You know what I mean? Like we've created 
like the reason we're even still a band after pandemic is because we're all friends. You know what I mean? And it's because of the love that we share for each other. So then thinking like the torture comes in knowing that like there's a lot of work between A and B. You know what I mean? But the comfort comes in knowing that I'm not in this alone. You know what I mean? That I'm not just Frodo walking up the mountain, uh, like Samwise is with me in the form of these other men that like do this with me, you know? So it's, it's, it's a, it's a push and pull. I guess it's not as complicated as I'm making it sound. I'm happy to be there. It's, it's the oh, favorite awesome. band that I've ever been in. You know what I mean? So, but then it's it, good it's, that if, as if you're going up the mountain and then you start getting chased, you can always push Samwise down and you get away. So that's smart, man. You don't want to do this by yourself. No, no one does. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you have to be the fastest person. You have to be faster than the slowest person or trip them, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Absolutely, man. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't so, know, man. It's funny. You, I mean, I think about it a lot is the, is the reality, you know? And um, again, just to play with, just getting to play with Hawes. Like we've been fans of his. Since, he was in Step Ahead with Adolf and he played in, paint it black with wags he was in the curse with Bo. the only people that he hasn't been in a band with is me and andrew you know what i mean but i've always loved the loved ones i've loved step ahead i've loved every iteration of his career so to be able to play with him on a boat much less that fucking festival in may like what you know what i mean like it doesn't sound right to me but it's also sounds perfectly right so yeah just trying to make peace with it man so i saw him play Last August, he played in King of Prussia. So they had like the Twilight Under the Stars or something. It was this like little gazebo behind a police station. And right. I don't know if it's like Twitter or somewhere. So I saw the tickets come up. I reached out to my buddy, Dan. I'm like, hey, do you want to go? Let's go check him out. And his wife was gone. So he had the kids. He's like, oh, I can't. I have the kids. So I'm like, all right, no problem. I start researching a little more and kids are free. I was like, dude, it's like a 6.30 show. Let's go. We'll bring our kids. It's 45 minutes. I'll drive. I'll pick everyone up. Let's go. So we go. We hit Wawa. We're tailgating a little bit. You know, kids are throwing beanbags, having a good time. So we go up there and it's on this lawn and it kind of slopes down a little bit. We're back a little bit and he's up there and he's playing. And so I guess when you buy a season pass though, for all these shows and they'll have all different people of all different genres come through. So some mm-hmm. of the people don't appear to be your typical fans and they've got their lawn chairs and they're sitting down, you know, they're like our mom and dad's age. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, you guys can get up. You're going to get up. And this little kid, he's like three or four years old. He runs over with a play guitar and he gets kind of close to them and he's just jamming out and he's jumping up and down. And he starts running away. And then the end of the song, Dave's like, oh, you know, that kid's real cute. He's got a guitar just like my kids do back at home. So next song, he's playing again. You know, more people are getting up and the kid runs back up there again. He's getting away from the song. He's starting to talk now. He's like, hey, what's your son's name? So the kid's name is Milo. And he's like, hey, all right, Milo, come up here and play with us. And now you start seeing like all these like little shadows creeping. All these other little kids are moving forward. And my kids, I was just my son. And then my buddy's two kids. You know, they're kind of looking at us. I'm like, do you want to move a little closer? So then Hall's is like, well, do your kids want to go on stage with us? And next thing you know, it just floods with all these little kids. And they are just dancing. Like, it is the biggest dance party and jamming out. And, you know, Hall's and the Mermaid, they're jamming. All these kids just bouncing all around, all of them just running around like maniac. It was so cool. My son is the biggest fan now. Like, he didn't know what a concert awesome. was. And then, like, once he started playing, he's like, Dad, this is what you listen to on the radio. I was like, yeah, man, this is a concert. Like, that's that guy, though, like we hear on the radio. <laughs> and then he got to go up there, and he ended up dancing right next to him. I got a picture of the two of them. And now he's always like, oh, Dad, so play. Cool. Yeah, play Dave. Play Dave Falls. Play this. Oh, you know, uh, play Fireflies. I love this song. So, loves it. And just the coolest moment. Cool for him to do that. And, like, I think he now has a legion of small fans that are going to grow up 
You know, when, when you when he's doing yeah. the Wachovia Center for seven hundred dollars a show, these kids are like, Oh, I'm going. I saw this back in, you know, twenty twenty two or whatever it was. I'll be long dead by then, but you know, it, it was cool. <laughs> you know that show. uh his first solo show ever after the loved ones was at the church here in Philly, at the um in the sanctuary, which only seats sixty people. And uh the very, very first show that Hawes played without a band, I was the opener. <laughs> And that was oh. also my very first solo show. So I've I've played a million shows in my time. I've only kept one ticket stub, and that was the one. I have it from because it was like the beginning of like his like solo career, the beginning of my music. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those like magical nights. And I got to play two shows with him. It was I mean we've been friends for so long. You know what I mean? That it was like yeah, like it feels cool. And like now that he's like you know huge. Oh, this is some shit, dog. Like biggest rock star we know. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's so fucking cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Haas has been one of my heroes for a long time. So, and that's awesome. Yeah. He keeps reaching out to you guys. You know, it seems like you're the circle of of you know your your bandmates and you know all staying there and in touch with each other. And you know these opportunities yeah. keep popping up, and you know he keeps leaning leaning on his friends, and that's that's really cool. Yeah, he's a good dude, man. Righteous brother, that guy. Yeah, that's awesome. So what do you guys have coming up? So you're going to start working on the new album? Yeah, we've writing, already started, we started writing on LP3, which is fun. Um, again, it's like a really different way than other bands write, as far as I understand, just because like I have to be the last piece. So then I have to find a melodic line that balances two guitars, a bass, and the world's craziest drummer. You know what I mean? Like So it's like a lot to kind of find my way. But it's it's cool. I really enjoy it. And um, the person who recorded me on um, Believe in You is Mr. Brian McTurnan. Do you know who he is? He was in Battery. He is currently in Be Well. He was in Ashes. And he recorded, like, all the Hot Water Music stuff. He did all the Blitz and Fire stuff. Like, he's a pretty big player. You know what I mean? Like, the dude's the man. And yeah. he, recorded all the, he recorded all the vocals for this last record. He was, like, he, it was, like, one of the weirdest and most, like, mind-bending compliments i've ever received when he's like you know nobody does it this way and you make it work really well which is like brian mcturnan saying this to me you know what i mean like i have this man's lyrics tattooed on my body i like love his music and he recorded me it was just me and him for five days and he had like a lot of things to say about my about my vocals that made me stronger as a singer but also as a songwriter and that was like that was fucking wild. So thinking about like LP3, I'm like, now I have all these different tools with which to get my vocal where it's supposed to be in regards to the whole mosaic, you know what I mean? To make a bigger picture. So I feel like I feel more prepared going into LP3, uh, but I'm, it's also like, that's what the, that's the currency of, of, you know, your limitations now are buying you things that you're like, Oh shit. Like, well, we got to do the thing now. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's, it's intimidating, but I'm ready for it. You know what I mean? Do you have but a theme also, that you're going for? Uh, I have like to start thread? writing. It, the way it's always happened is I read a lot and I, I take in a lot of media, right? Like I watch a lot of movies. I listen to a lot of records. The biggest thing in terms of like a thematic tie-in for a record is you just got to see where you are, right? So you just have to write. And like sometimes, like I'm the kind of person that will just write. I, I force myself to write at least two lines a day. Sometimes it's, most times it's longer than that, but as long as pen touches paper, you have two lines, whether or not they're good or whether or not you throw them out, just do that for the day, every day. That's how things like themes emerge, right? Like you, 
start drawing these lines in your head between all the stuff that you write and you're like, oh, this is where I am. You know what I mean? And then that's the springboard that gives life to the rest of it. So it's not like I started out being like, this is what it's going to be. You know what I mean? Like, then start putting it together. And that's where we are now, like those preliminary states. And for the record, that's the best part for me. I love this part. This is my favorite part. You know what I mean? Because it's like the morning of a day that the possibilities are endless now. And you haven't even you know, had your first coffee. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the best time. So, so the two lines that you're writing, I assume the two are connected, but then the next day, are you trying to build off of what you wrote? Or is it just like, what am I thinking now? And yesterday could develop into one song and today could develop into another. Or do you just, what is No that? rules. Whatever no rules. happens, happens. Yeah. So you could keep it's on writing Really Fast and the Furious right here, man. No rules. Yeah, man. Got to. Yep. <laughs> and the other thing that's really funny is that, so Hard Turf, my hardcore band, that I play bass in, we're writing now too for the next batch of songs. And it's been two years since I've been playing solo, but now I ha- I played a show two weeks ago and I have another one coming up in two weeks. And it's like that's starting up again now too. So now I'm writing for solo stuff as well. So I kind of feel like it's feast or famine, right? Like there are times when you're just like, I don't even have the energy to put paper to pen. and But then there are other times where all my projects are working at the same time. So now I'm writing songs for three different projects right now you know what i mean so it's like there's uh, i right now i feel powerful i feel in my strength i feel like this is the closest that i'm going to get between the distance from the inside of my atmosphere to the outside world you know so fuck it man just keep playing keep writing and keep making stuff because that's what we do you know what i mean does that make sense i know i definitely think it does have you ever covered in like cross keys? Have you ever covered like one of the hardcore songs you did and tried to adjust it into something different? Or that's just cross keys has cross keys has an approach to writing that is very antithetical to the hardcore aggressiveness. And it, that's like, okay, so trying to get a cover song that all five of us can agree on is impossible. Nobody wants to play what everybody else wants. And I think that's what makes the palette of cross keys really interesting that every come, everybody comes from different backgrounds, right? Like, Andrew went on tour with Real Big Fish, you know, like he was in Zoloft the Rock and Roll Destroyer. So he got to tour with like all these like super huge pop bands. Wags was in Good Riddance. You know what I mean? He was in Kid, he was in Kid Dynamite. And, you know, Dave was in another band called Jackie Thousands. He was in Step Ahead. Like everybody's influences are so different that there isn't even one band that I think that we all like, maybe. Which <laughs> is weird to say, but it's true. So, you so know. If, if you guys are all coming from... So how do you find your sound if everyone's coming from a different angle? Or is that the beauty of it? It's kind of the beauty of it. It's just like the weird shirts. Like they all just kind of get, it's, I, I have this thing where I keep on stumbling upwards and I kind oh, of, man, I hear you my whole life, man, <laughs> failing yeah. upwards. is like yeah. totally what it is. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like the, the cross keys songs are the same exact way. Someone will come up with a thing. And the next thing you know, like a whirlwind, it all just kind of starts packing around that central idea. And then the lyrics come last. But yeah, that's just how we, it's interesting to think that we have a sound, but here we are, you know what I mean? Like kind of a sad jawbreaker or a happier leather face. I don't know which one, like I've heard it described in many ways. And that's probably the funniest way I've heard it. Depends on the day, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. So you need to find like your George Michael faith and then do the Limp Bizkit version, but like in reverse. So find yeah. something hard and then just try to soften it a little bit. And then people are like, wait, I know this song. What is this? 
<laughs> Why am I crying and fighting at the same yeah, time? Yeah, exactly. kind of what is that? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's awesome. I don't know. It so, is an interesting time. Oh, uh, yeah. So, as we're wrapping up, let's get a little weird here. I'm not going to get into like aliens or Bigfoot or anything unless you want to, but let's talk about like synchronicities or something like that. It seems that a lot of your band and even yourself, you played with a bunch of guys, you know, a bunch of different guys, and it, it's created opportunities. And all these opportunities so far are pushing you forward. And you seem very happy right now. And, and you're saying that, mm -hmm. you know, for some reason, Cross Keys is hitting off more than other bands you guys have been in. Mm -hmm. Do you subscribe to any, not that like everything's predetermined, you know, like the Terminator fate is what you make or whatever. But do you yeah. do you believe in like a unified consciousness of some sort that this is all pushing you in one direction? Is, is this the way it's supposed to be? Are, are you just failing upwards? I don't know, man. I mean, like for me, it's just I I'm a staunch existentialist, which, you know, any Filipino person, you know, of a certain age was raised super Catholic. And I'm the same. You know what I mean? Especially from Cherry Hill. So there was always this like religious overtone to every single thing that we ever did. And the end result of that is eschewing the entire thing. I was being like, fuck all of this. And that's kind of where I'm at, right? Like, I believe that when I die, it's all just star beams and moon dust, right? And um, whether or not there was a point for any of this to begin with, I'll never know. So I don't really see the point in wondering if there is a point. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like Ocom's Razor, like, there is no reason. There, there is no way to figure out if life has a meaning, so you might as well just live. And that's kind of where I'm at. You know what I mean? Like. I don't believe that if I'm, I can tell you for a fact that being nice to crazy people for 20 years gets you bullshit. I can tell you 100% without a doubt in my mind that that has garnered me no type of currency in any way other than monetary and uh, no one cares. So, you know, for whatever Maybe that's some reserves is going to cash out soon. You just never know. Yes, Doug, after I got fired from the hospital, I got a job as an overnight cashier in a casino because I was like, I don't want to go back into healthcare. And did the good Lord put me there? Maybe, maybe, or definitely, depending on your definition. Did I feel any type of uh, spiritual trail that led me there? No, <laughs> none of it matters. All of it sucks. That's just what it is. Make peace with that. And hey, you know, you're good. I do believe in the Jersey Devil. Then. Well, we're so back to that in a second. What casino were you working at? <laughs> uh, live in South Philly. Oh, okay. I worked at... Harris in Philadelphia, and then out in Chicago, I worked at two casinos and no one in shit. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Holy, what what were you, a dealer? Uh, no, I started off as a slot supervisor in uh, Harris, Philadelphia, and then my wife graduated nursing school, couldn't really get a job around here. And so mm. she's like, oh, do you want to go to Chicago? And I was like, yeah, let's go. And I was pretty sure I, I, I reached out to them. They weren't hiring anybody. Like, you could always be a dealer. You could be a slot attendant. And yeah. it's funny because slot attendants, they get tips, they call them tokes, and they're mm. basically guaranteed. Like they can basically tell you what you're going to get every week. And it took me for a long yeah. time to understand what that was. And I'm like, all right, so my base is like $12 an hour. Like I need to make more than that. Like that I need like, no, and like, plus your tokes is 19. It's $30 an hour. I was like, no one's making $30, but like they were. Um, yeah. So anyway, so I got to uh, Chicago and they were going to let me be an executive host, but I was wow. only like 80% sure that I had that job. But I went out there and then I interviewed, then they took me on. And there's no big, this was Joliet. So the uh, the Joliet prison that Jake and Elwood escaped from, like I, would, yeah. you know, I would drive past that. And uh, there's no big shots going to Joliet. And so you're just talking to, it, it was actually kind of sad. 
where you'd get like a book of old business and I go, oh, try to drum this back up. And I'm calling an old lady and she go, oh, well, my husband died. And then I used all his pension money and, you know, tell me this and now I have no money left at all. And I'm like, well, all right, well, great. Uh, you come in, I have a free buffet for you. And like, <laughs> they come back to my boss. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, this is like, this is terrible. It's like predatory lending. And then uh, Chicago opened Rivers Casino in Des Plaines. So it used to be, mm. you have to be in Illinois, you had to be on the river. So the Joliet one was a riverboat attached to Whoa. like through a dock. So all the games were on water and they built like a building around it. So you really didn't realize you were on water. And then I guess somebody actually read the law and it was like, if a trickle of a stream goes through, you can build a casino. So there was in the maintenance room, there was a little glass part on the floor. You could see the stream going through and then every once in a while gaming would come through and they'd have to check and make sure the stream was still flowing. So wow. in, yeah, but that was crazy. So in Chicago, I was a supervisor again of the slots. So I went back to slot, slot supervisor, then went to Pittsburgh and got promoted to slot manager. And then I made to executive, executive director or whatever of marketing. And I did that for about four months, but then my wife was pregnant. And pretty much every time you start getting up that high, you get promoted, you need to move to a different property. I was like, mm -hmm. well, I'm not going to move around across the country all the time. And then a new, yeah. a new GM comes in, they replace all those top people anyway, bring their buddies in. It's like, well, I'm yeah. going to be fucking jobless in Arizona. As, as, and yeah. as a phrase that worked out for you, I was like, well, I don't write songs, man. I'm not going to be fucking jobless out there. <laughs> I but, get it, dude. Yeah. I get it. That's crazy. I, so do I don't miss do working overnights. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't miss bad. working overnights. I don't miss, but there are so many times I just miss that excitement of there's ne never a dull day. You can always find something to get into or some crazy person to talk to or just listen to crazy people argue like it yeah. was it's nuts that was it's fun. a wild life man yeah, yeah i worked in the cage i was a cashier <laughs> overnight cashier yeah which is not where you want to find yourself at 45 you know what i mean but hey what are you gonna do but yeah. my question to you is do you yep. feel that any type of supernatural or any type of predestined clandestine like path led you through all of this so i don't know about predestined so I would listen to Duncan Trussell's Family Hour podcast a lot, and he either he was talking about it or someone else was, and he talked about like soul families. So it would be that I I truly believe that the people in my life that I'm close to that I truly love that like, we're meant to be together. And now like in future mm -hmm. lives is like do our roles change or whatever it might be? Like I like I think that that makes me happy. That like brings me peace. Now do I think that God or the great being in the sky? wanted me to go to Camden County College for like seven years. Like I don't think that was in his big plan to like like, dude, you should be a doctor, not like just trying to finish your associate's degree. Uh, just fucking so finish the classes. I don't think any part of that was like a predestined plan. I think it was actually only five years. It took me seven to finally get my bachelor's degree. A lot of people are called doctor after seven years. I was not one of them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't never feel the strong force pushing me. Uh, I do get a lot of excitement out of doing this. I think it's like a great opportunity. I think the internet, I'm not smart enough in the dot-com boom to invent whatever Mark Cuban did to become a billionaire. Mm. That's kind of past me. TikTok, like beyond me, like I have no idea how any of that shit works. For this thing to blow up to like Rogan numbers would be a, a miracle. But hey, somebody wants to give me, CIA is listening. I'm sure you guys are. You guys want to buy me off and have me as an asset. I'm here for sale. Do not worry. Fair <laughs> fair prices too. You can get a, a sale discount. Uh, but this gives me excitement, but do I think mm -hmm. it's driven by a higher being? I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm still waiting on that, but I've been very fortunate in my life. Uh, I said failing upwards, 
relatively smart person, but it's always left foot, right, right foot. And, yeah. and luckily things have just kept working out and opportunities have come out or, uh, you know, I've, I've helped the right people that then help me back in return. It's like, okay, great. But that's also kind of life though, isn't it? Like if yeah, you're a good right? person, like, like good shit happens. If you resonate on a good frequency, then that's kind of the music you're playing in. Right. Like, yeah. here's the funny thing. So do you know that Liam who does Cinepunks with me, he went to school to be a pastor. Really? Yeah, he has two degrees in like divinity and like I forget. They're like masters. He has two master's degrees in things like spirituality. And he's probably one of the smartest people I know. But the funniest thing about it is that he is now not religious at all. And he's not one of the he's more like believes in like the causes of like, you know, radical abolition, like this kind of like philosophy where it makes a difference but he's not like he doesn't he goes to church because his wife is also a pastor but he also is one of the people that i know is like if when i talk about this kind of stuff with these clandestine designs are we just participating in them or are we the prime movers in these things and liam doesn't he he's one of those people that i don't think he blames god or praises god for all the things that have happened in his life and that's such a crazy thing to me that the most religious people I know are often the ones who fall out of divinity or any type of like religious like calling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, as I've gotten older, I grew up in the Catholic Church and it's creationism. Like, there's no Darwinism. And even then, mm. I'm like, this is fucking stupid. Like we evolved from monkeys and all this stuff. And now mm. as I get older, I like revert back. I'm like, well, if we're all evolving, where's the half ape, half man person that's in the middle of evolving right now where's the fish mm -hmm. that's walking on land that just got lungs like so that we just stopped right. evolving, or maybe I, I, again like I, I have a lot of stoner thoughts for not smoking weed and it's been a long time but there's a lot of fucking stoner <laughs> thoughts going on but like where are these like half evolved yeah. animals that well then you know, we, i mean so then i don't know there's a lot of questions about it but go on go on but that's just my big question though if we evolved from monkeys so we all came from yeah. the first from the slime and like my cat is from that same slime and we just diverged like that just makes no sense to me well i mean but then there's still analogous structures like there's still the same amount of vertebrae in each creature there's still amount of like the same like phalanges and like all the other like tiny like minutiae that turns into different things but it's like i think about it the way i think about plant roots so you know about like the tap root it's the the cells the very tip of the tap root is called a meristematic cell which means that it's not determined for what direction it will be. You don't know if it's going to be phloem. You don't know if it's going to be xylem. You don't know if it's going to be cellulose. Like it just could be anything. And the same cells are found at the very top of the tree. It's top of the branches. So then if that type of analogousness can exist at both the bottom and the top of a plant, then it only makes sense to me that the perpetual adjusting to the environment adjusting to light exposure, adjusting to, to like how much rainfall, how much water and stuff is, a, that's what determines what these cells turn into. So then the fact that there's analogous structures throughout multiple species, to me, like whales have the same amount of phalanges as people. They're just in fin form, right? So like you still have like this many metatarsals, this many, et cetera, et cetera. At least that's what I remember from being a scientist. It was, it's been a long fucking time, man. I don't know. Maybe you're going to keep going to sound like afterwards. I'm like, uh, yeah, man, of course. And <laughs> that's just well, what I think. They're like, all the same numbers. Though, like, that's also points to design, though. Like, somebody's just going, like, hey, that's 33, whatever it is here. And, like, we'll just do four on all these. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's just a, a lot of different species of everything. 
it just seems like we've taken a super long time yeah. for everything. But like, so everything got wiped out what, like 12, 15,000 years ago, like there was an, another great ice age. Okay. So like all this stuff yeah. just came back in like 12,000 years. I, again, I don't have a lot. So then, here. I talk but, to you about but, lizard wait, people. Wait, wait, so like, I don't know. So do you, so, so is it Jesus? Did God do it? No. So I, I, I'm in, I don't know, man. Uh, are we in base reality? I have no idea. Is this the Matrix? Yeah, like, it could be. No fucking is, clue. Yeah. Is God Pindar the Lizard King? Hey, it could be. I don't know. Does the moon <laughs> suck our soul back? And like the the light that you're going to is really to get that, stuff back yeah. into Earth, and they're sucking our energy out. I don't know. I hope not. Yeah. I, I like to think you know <laughs> as shitty as the world is for some people, it's also a beautiful place, and you know sunsets and all these other things and feelings and family and love. Is there, is it Jesus? I don't know. But then you look at some of the history stories and the story of Jesus is repeated thousands of years beforehand. Mm-hmm. But that's come from something though. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm out there on it. Put it. Go ahead. My grandma was the most wonderful person in my entire life, my whole life. And she just passed maybe two years ago. But um, she loved, she loved the church. Like this woman is the reason that I was raised the way that I was, that I went to youth groups instead of like whatever else. And like, you know, whether or not Jesus exists or religion in this like Judeo-Christian dogmatic like approach is a thing. The one thing that I do know without a doubt is that I love my grandma. So if that's religion, then it's real. You know what I mean? And I know that she loved me. So it's like, if, if God or if Jesus or if Yahweh or whatever else type of definition is your thing, if that can be attributed to something as ethereal and yet as grounded as a grandparent's love for their grandchild, then who am I to say that it's not a thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, fuck that. Like, I do know, you know, that my grandma loved me. And I know, I know that I'm a good person because of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think, oh, so I think religion is good, but a lot of bad things have been done in the name of religion. And that's because, Mm -hmm. you know, people have faults. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But in general, and again, the original message, we don't know because I wasn't there when it was written. And I'm reading it today, and Mm -hmm. people are like, no, this is what was written. But I'm sure somebody probably edited the book to make themselves more important at some point and added some other crap in there. But in general, the golden rule, a lot of the things taught in the Bible, the you know mm. the Christian Bible, uh, for the most part, maybe that's the only Bible I don't know, but the Bible it just tells you to be a good person. Like, don't be a mm. dick. Be nice to your neighbor. Help when you can. Help when you can't. Be nice. Mm. And if you do that, good things are going to come back. And if people believe in Jesus for that, I don't think you know they should. So the people who are anti-religion, I think that's fine too. Like you can sit here and say, hey, mm. this whole world's crazy. I, you know, I, I believe in the Matrix. That's fine. Right. I don't think you should mock somebody. I think what, if your belief requires knocking somebody down. Mm. I think that's more of a problem than just saying like uh, you believe in a lizard person, you believe in Jesus, you believe in in nothing. Yeah. Like, okay, but like are you a good person? And yeah. I, you know, I don't I don't know if that was even a question or a statement, I don't know. No, I get it. It's your rhetorical question. I'm I'm with it, man. It's just I mean like it's so difficult though, right? Because I mean think about like the attacks on LGBTQ plus populations now. Think about things like the drag ban. Like these things are all of religious edict. And 
you're going to make makeup illegal? You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like ridiculous to me. And then it's going to be like a lot of Judeo-Christian teachings that I've been raised with has been very exclusatory. You know what I mean? Like, it's always been like white, white Jesus. You know, it's always been don't be gay and all this since I was a kid, you know? And it's like, I mean, I have friends that are drag queens that are better people than most of people that I know. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, how is like that going to be a thing? You know, it, it just, it bums me out. And it, I mean, of course you want to take the things that make life palatable. You want to make, take the things that like give you purpose and all that other stuff. And I understand it. But also when these very things are the things that are choking the life out of vulnerable populations, you know what I mean? Like so many people were like super like, you know, talking about religion and being anti-abortion and all that. But then we would work with skeleton crews serving the sick and the poor in a psych hospital. You know what I mean? It was like four people to serve 24 people on a floor that can't leave. So if the religious, like, if the real religious purpose is to help people, then why are the helping fields so missing of people? You know what I mean? Like think about the teacher deficit right now. They don't have enough people to teach the next, next generation. You know what I mean? Like, so then it just, the whole thing gets like tied up in bureaucracy and just capitalism and just whatever else bullshit. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's too much to consider anymore. Yeah. So it's for all me, funding. Yeah. Like working in the hospital, I, I came down to understand that you're either waiting for your luck to run out or you're waiting for your money to run out. And in a lot of cases, that's the same moment. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know, man. What are you gonna like? How am I supposed to like live this devotional life to some type of prime mover when the things in motion are not being addressed in a way that is productive by people who purport like this philosophy? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. All I know is that like I had to take people to like fucking dentist appointments, and people would always like be mad that I'd be there with these like psych patients and stuff. But it's like, well, this whole world is Christian and mass. How come there isn't this whole push towards this more equitable, more accepting, and more helping tonality to our society? It's all the NIMBY, you know, to like just keep that over there and I don't want it in my backyard. Like I, I yeah, want to man. give Sally Struthers my money for coffee every day and you just make sure just handle it over there and you know, I don't want to see it yeah. over here. Don't want to get my hands dirty with it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and that's where the real work is, right? Where the where the wheel meets the road, where the shovel hits the ground. Like that's where the help is needed. And I put in my time, but I'm fucking done. I hate being done, but I also, I don't have anything. Else. You know what I mean? You're it's giving it like, a different way so that, you know, but you did your time. That's fine. And now you're giving it a different way. And now that someone yeah. else has turned to come up and do that, but you can't be mother Teresa and live a destitute life and just give, 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 give. And like, that was great for her, but if, hey, I don't know, maybe everybody that were in a better world or whatever, but I mean, you have family of other people you need to take care of help, and give that yeah. energy to. And help and you have people listen to your music and that helps them and people you don't even know or like listen to your shit and they're like oh man that song means so much to me you know and you, you probably will never meet them and like that's just fucking crazy too like there there's a brian wrong, fallon either. song that he sings solo and i'm uh my I, so i have a daughter too and she's like oh can i have a book written about me like it's so easy sure daughter like let me just go write a book for you but so i'm like okay maybe i can do one for her mm. and make it a little science fictiony so brian fallon has a song about uh shit the name of it escaped me right now but he walks past the woman and he's like have we met before or haven't we or like we just destined to meet in time and somewhere within that song is the book that i'm gonna write but i just can't crack that 
but this guy has no idea that that song like eats at me every day. Then I'm like, you know, just talk to like, oh, do we meet on a mystery train or it's like, oh, like somewhere in there, yeah. there's this like this spider verse type of thing of, you know, am I supposed to meet you? Am I supposed to walk by? Am I, you know, so I thought that pre-de- mm-hmm. predestined, predetermined thing. But so I definitely think there's people you're supposed to meet that, you know, there's people in your family, you sit down and Thanksgiving and, you know, they're nice and you love them and they're your family, but there's not a lot to talk about. And right. then there's other people you just meet on the street and then you're having two, three, four hour conversation. And you guys are laughing all the same jokes, you know, all the same shit. And it's just like, how the fuck? And I don't, and I'm never going to see you again, probably. And just keep walking by and you're like, how fucking weird was that, that this person has left a mark on me. And then this other person that I see all the time that we have the same people we can talk about or same memories or, Hey, you remember Christmas? Oh, five, like uh, none of it clicks anywhere. It's fucking weird, man. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. I don't know. The one thing I've learned after 45 years of being on this earth is that there's no more, there's no more an important moment than the one that you're in. And whoever walks in on that moment, that's, that's where you got to find the magic. That's where you got to find the music. You know what I mean? Yeah. And whatever happens, happens, man. The Brian Fallon song is called You Have Stolen My Heart. And within that somewhere, that's, yeah. But if that's you're not present, yeah, that's some within there. That is the book. That if I can just need to crack that code, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> but it's a beautiful song. And, and I, it's also very trippy and fucking weird. And, yeah. But hey, if you're not appreciating the, the current moment and you're waiting for the next moment, like you're missing out on a lot of life, I think. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think you're pretty cool, man. I believe in you. I'm sure you could find a <laughs> hundred stories in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, but Pretty just cool. get that like, 200 page mark. I think if it was, maybe I'll do a short story one. I'll, I'll go to the Stephen King route and write her four pages and be like, hey, here you go. Go, go turn into a movie. Here's, here's your story. <laughs> Prepare to be famous, young lady. Just don't show it to Josh. Yeah. He hates he hates miniseries. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's it. Oh, man. <laughs> but, hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for what talking do you have coming? I hope I didn't run my mouth too much. It, you know. Whenever yeah, we do set up, awesome. Liam talks way more than I do. So I'm always like, yeah. really? That's the thing. And now yeah. it's like when Liam's not here, I'm just running the mouth. You're just waiting to get the in. words in. He doesn't let you do it. And now, <laughs> now here you go. But uh, all right, plug what you have. Come on, tell us the good stuff. Where can we find you? What's um, coming up? What's going on? Well, we got a bunch of shows coming up. I'm playing at Primary on the 23rd of July, a Sunday. Uh, it's a four o'clock show with Mr. Popeye Vogelsang, who used to sing for a band called Farside, who currently sings for uh, Calling Hours, and with my friend Rusty Pigeon. And it's going to be at Primary Plant Based, a vegan restaurant right on Gerard. It's going to be $10 at the door. There's no pre-sale tickets. There's no ticket link or event page. You show up at the gig with 10 bucks, and if if there's room, you'll get in. And if not, sorry. But uh, it's going to be cool. There's going to be... Yeah, man, it's it's very uh, street level, <laughs> so but it's cool, man. And there's gonna be food specials. It's vegan restaurants, so if you're vegan, guess what? You're gonna have a hell of a party. Uh, if not, food's still pretty good. So that's coming up. And then we're playing this weekend. Crosskeys is playing in Asbury Park at the Trinity Church with Born Tired, with Town Liar, and with Johnson Francis, who's he's bringing with a whole band. So he's like a singer songwriter guy that plays with a band on this one so that's coming up and then like you said we're playing that show in new york which i hope to meet you in person at that'll be a hell of a time i don't have any control over any guest list or anything like that but you know because again I, I don't do any of that i just write the songs and sing but um that's coming up with haws and, and the mermaid so that's going to be cool 
And then we're playing an Ambler next month at the skate park, the yard. And that's with the Great American Typewriter and Ben Better and Omit All. There's a bunch of shit coming up, man. I don't know. Just follow all the stuff on the socials and you'll you'll pretty much be on top of all. <laughs> Go find them on the socials, but you're not replying to anybody. You're not tweeting. No, right? Yeah, you're talking to Andrew, just so yep. you know. But it's at CrossKeysPHL is the Twitter handle and the Instagram handle. On Instagram, I'm Joey Angel. That's stupid. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All the stuff's in there, man. I'll so, put all the links yeah. on, in the show notes. People will find you. But There's I really appreciate yeah. it. Uh, if I can't make it out to New York City, I'm going to make it out to the September one, and that's going to be really fucking awesome. I, I appreciate hey. what you do. I appreciate what the band does. I wish you guys nothing but success. Uh, you're friends of the program now, so if you, uh, whatever you guys tweet out, I'll, I'll help you try to push the message. And, and you know, uh, we'll, we'll crowdsource the information and try to get as many people to your shows as possible. Thank you so much, man. Hey, no problem. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. Yeah, dude. This is really fun, Brian. I enjoyed myself yeah. very much. Thanks Open door. Me. Come back whenever you want. New LP is done. Let's get on here and hear about it. All right, man. Sounds good. All right. You have a great night. I'll talk to you. Take it easy. Take care. Thanks. All right, everyone. That was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date in all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guests. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.